We are here yet again. It is Laggy Podcast, episode number nine. I'm here. It's Rafe, a.k.a. Esports Educator, a.k.a. That's all for AKAs. Whoa. Nice. I'm Caesar, a.k.a. E-Face. And it's just Dan. It is just Dan. Well, on today's episode, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about. Oh, yeah. uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some updates with Smash, of course, Smash World Tour. Um, and we got a big major event coming here, uh, courtesy of Nerd Street Gamers and Localhost. Uh, Valorant, we have a name, ladies and mm, gentlemen. Yeah. We have a name. Very interesting name. We've put it off. We've joked about it. But the coronavirus is real. <laughs> it's here. It's here. Uh, so we're actually going to communicate. When it comes to life around gaming and esports, if you are in esports, you understand how much the coronavirus has impacted esports. Yep. So we have to talk about it. And just a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit about politics. We're going to talk about Super Tuesday and the young vote, which all of us should care about very much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. All right. All right. Let's let's break it off. Caesar, tell us about the Smash World Tour. Cool. So it was announced last uh, Sunday, I believe Sunday this weekend, uh, that VG Bootcamp, the streamers of many events such as uh, Super Smash Con, <laughs> Frostbite, they 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 do a lot of events. Uh, they are planning on doing a world tour, meaning a circuit for Smash, which is something we have not seen in forever. I think. I, I've been I've been looking into the history of Smash for the past few days, and I think it, sometimes it's easy to to uh, forget how grassroots Smash actually is, mm -hmm. especially because in the past two years it's grown so much. But like five years ago, Smash was like at its lowest, like straight up. Like ten years ago, Smash was not in an Evo, right? Like right. Smash melee being an Evo isn't that recent like it's it's only been in evo for like seven years at this point mm -hmm. even even though it's a 20 year old game um so the whole point of the circuit here is that ultimate and melee will both get um a list of events where if you go to this event and you win you get a certain amount of placement points and then throughout the year you have all these events with different tiers with each tier so i think um Let's say you're a top player and you go to 10 events and then three of them are silver events. Uh, four of them are um, gold events and like three of them are platinum, plat, plat events. Then that means your top three silver events count and like not all of them. So it solves a lot of issues that a lot of people have with Smash and like Smash as a, um, Smash as a, a, a competitor sport where you earn money because then that doesn't mean that you have to go to every single event mm -hmm. to qualify for PR or or have a good placement. Uh, meaning then that at the end of the year, at the end of the circuit, they're going to do a whole big tournament with $250,000 in, in the pot. So a lot of money to be made in Smash now, finally. Like straight up, that's the biggest pot ever in history. So 
very interesting to see who's going to be at the top of the leaderboards in a, in a year's time. So now is it a $250,000 tournament at the end of it, or is that the combined pot of the tournaments existing within the league? No. Well, I, from what I understand, it's the tournament at the end that has the $250,000. See, and, and it's, Well, it's, it's also split between Melee and Ultimate, so it's like oh, $125,000. Any, anything above $10,000 <laughs> is a big number in Smash, right? Yeah. Like Evo and Super Smash Con are both above $10,000, right? Mm -hmm. And so those are the two biggest tournaments in the year. Yep. So something that's $50,000 or $100,000 blows that away. So if we're looking at 250, if that's all in one tournament and that's its own pot separate from the league itself, that is massive yeah, that's huge. for yep. the Smash community. Yeah. So very exciting, honestly. There's still a lot of events that haven't opted in because obviously there's competition right it's vg boot camp and then you have bts smash and you have all these other companies that throw tournaments that they're not it's not 100 percent cohesive which will be interesting to see how that affects the tournaments that are not part of the smash world tour and bts is pretty awesome <coughs> yeah i like their events I like a lot bts a lot yeah um speaking of events related to the smash world tour Localhost is holding a $10,000 NCS major uh, at, you know, Localhost Denver um, two weeks from tomorrow. March start 21st, yeah. So, yeah. oh, three weeks then. Is it? it three no. Weeks? No, it's not. No, tomorrow's the That's sixth. three. Tomorrow is the sixth. Yeah. 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 So three weeks from Saturday, two weeks from Saturday. Yeah. Um, and it's a, uh, it should be pretty interesting. We got some people coming out and a Mutace is coming out. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, Myron, Prodigy, Louie Money. We've all the Armada boys. All the Armada boys, which is very funny to me. Um, and then there's one other really big name coming out. Uh, Nico. Oh, Larry Lurs coming out. Larry Lurs coming out. Nico is probably coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we haven't heard back from DeBus. A lot of people, there, there's a lot of tournaments around that same time. So mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see who we get. But uh, already it's the biggest the the most amount of PR people we've got in Colorado, so since it's, like flat irons, yeah, it's guaranteed to be worth your money. Yeah, since flat irons, I guess it's guaranteed to be worth your money because like there's going to be so much talent there that if you just go there, uh, even if like if you even if you get knocked out of bracket early, and you can still go and play friendlies with all these amazing people or like money match them, and we will be there. Yes, Rough Riders will be there. We will be hanging out. We may have an announcement about some players related to that mm -hmm. uh, in the future. Hold on, I got an answer. I wonder who. I think we may have an announcement about that. So we'll we'll <laughs> take a look at that um, soon. Uh, but, yeah, we're excited about it. We're trying to help any way we can. Yep. Keep an eye on our Twitter because yep. we got some stuff. We've got stuff coming up. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Valorant. Valorant. Okay, before we say anything about the game, what do you guys think about the name? Uh, I, I actually like the name. I think it's rather unique, personally. I like it. Yeah. I like the name. I don't know if it represents the game, but, I mean, I understand it. Does it not? Do we have a meaning? What does Valorant mean? Let me... Let me uh, Valorant? Probably like full of valor, I guess. Valorous, yeah. Valorant, but Valorant. Like I that, think so... That ending... Oh, I, if I type in Valorant, all I have is... So, I think from... I, I, I don't know how true this is because I don't know any League of Legends at all. Mm -hmm. But someone was telling me that in League canon, there's these people called like the the Valor something and then uh, 
the Valor Ant are like descendants of that those people. It, as, I think it's related to Riot lore. So that's all I know. I think as a name, it's pretty cool. It's I, I like it, it's it's unique. Uh, it it's it stands out. It's so also like um, unique enough where like someone's saying it. Like you know if. I think one of my biggest issues with Overwatch is like it's such a normal word, but Valorant is such a unique word that it stands yeah, out. It's very know? unique. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't find any definition. If you type in definition of Valorant, you get a bunch of Valorant stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't think Valorant is a word. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it is. Like Wiktionary says it's a present participle of Valor. Um, yeah, I would have to... I'd have to look up. I have no idea about the lore in League. I'm not a big lore person myself. Mm. Yeah, the only thing I can't think of anything in Valor except for Quinn and Valor. Right? Yeah, like it, literally, you know? like yeah. it's the name of like Quinn's a bird. eagle. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. or Falcon. Uh, but I think I, I don't know. It's it's very interesting to me. I do like the name. Um, I love the footage though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very I am, interesting. Like for me, it's it's there's a lot of trash talk going around i honestly think most of the trash talk is funded by other companies who are oh, like no, i wouldn't uh -oh. be surprised yeah cuz if i was if i was blizzard right now i'd well i mean i guess we have tencent who who has a large I, piece of both of them but still yeah, as a but blizzard I, activision person i'd be terrified i honestly don't game. think blizzard should be terrified of it. i yeah. think csgo should Very i interesting. as someone i i like overwatch a lot and like i well, i'm i'm going to get back into it right I don't. I don't. None of the gameplay from Valorant looks interesting to me, personally. Like that, it's not. It's my not God. my thing. You're not the only Overwatch player, is the thing. It's right. just, yeah. No, no. I, I'm not. I'm not saying I represent the entire Overwatch right. community. I. I think the game is similar enough. It's more similar to Counter Strike. Oh, absolutely. That it's gonna draw more Counter Strike players than Overwatch players. I mean, it's what from what I've been hearing. It's close. It's most closely related to a mix between Counter Strike and Rainbow Six Siege. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With Overwatch style graphics and kind of you know it's much more cartoonish, yeah, which is the right play. I agree. It's, like, I, I think. Can we really quick before you jump oh, on yeah, that? Go ahead. Sorry. Remember that because I want to hear what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. Can we agree at this point that it is a smarter move to make your games less lifelike? Yes. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I've thought that for a long time. For one thing, the game ages way 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 better. better. Sure. Yeah, Just look at Wind Waker. Better. Plus the the yeah exactly. Plus the like the the actual budget going into the engine of the game, how well the game's gonna run, all of these things. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like it even makes like texture budget. Yes. Well, it it also makes it run better on oh, lesser yeah, computers, yeah. so then it's yeah. better for your market to be able. See, to. and then you're looking at all of that side, and from my side, I'm just thinking about kids and parents. Oh yeah. Yeah. I different. have a. By not including blood, by making it more jokey, by making mm -hmm. it more cartoonish, it's easier for me as a parent to accept my kid playing this game than to play a Counter-Strike-style game where it's incredibly realistic and my like, characters yeah. are yeah. modeled after. Well, especially, you know. like, we know, and, like, I don't think a lot of people know that, but Counter-Strike yeah, Counter and Rainbow Six have issues at the high school level being an eSport because yeah. then it, rep it represents terrorism and like there's all these associations that school do not want to mess with you know yeah. so i think it's a smart idea to also have it be more cartoony and like not as realistic so then pe kids can actually play it and maybe it we could do be have a high schools playing overwatch there yeah. are high schools playing overwatch right, right? yeah but that's the only first person shooter that's played so i mean i yeah. think that there i see a lot of value in this i see a lot of value in this mm -hmm. what were you gonna say? You were gonna yeah, say. I was thinking about another group of players that I would actually be pretty scared of losing from a different company. 
Who? Paladins. Paladins. Uh, yeah. I think but Paladins is like dead. Is it it's, already it's dead? pretty much dead in yeah. the water. Now I don't I don't remember the name of the company, but like uh, High Res has had a split. Oh. Um, oh. One of the companies that worked with Paladins and Smite has left High Res, mm. so now they're they're in a situation as it is, and at least in my so I played a little bit of Paladins just to kind of get a feel for the game. Mm-hmm. It was kind of fun, but like it's an awful overwatch is what it is <laughs> i mean it's it's like playing overwatch at a slower speed and everything is terrible sure um i mean they're also making a tactical shooter which i would, I would still be like mad worried about at this point yeah i don't like, i don't see high if high res keeps doing the things the way they're doing i see them struggling greatly mm-hmm. i i honestly i think they needed to double down on smite because smite yeah. was a very unique and interesting i played sure. a lot of smite i played I would say eight months of Smite, like religiously. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I thought it was awesome. The only thing that pushed me away from Smite was its lack of player base. Mm. You, yeah. you played with the same people at the top level all the time, and you had to wait and hope that those people were online or you weren't getting cues for 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, that'll, that'll kill your game for sure. So I, I left and you know, kind of moved in a different direction. The mobile market was just super hard to break into as well. Like, I mean, yeah. It also got really intensely saturated yeah. around like 2014. I was, I was going to say, do you guys remember the amount of MOBAs that came oh, out? Don like Gate. Don Paragon. Oh. Don Gate was good, Oh, too. I missed that. I was so sad when that shut down. Don Gate, Paragon. Yeah, Don oh, yeah, Gate, Paragon. Paragon. There was that yeah. Warner the Brothers Justice one. League yeah, one. the Justice oh, League sad. one. Yeah, yep. so, And those all came out at the same time, just a little bit after we saw Heroes of New Earth die. Yeah. Right? League of Legends was picking up. We saw Dota 2 picking up. I played Heroes of the Storm came out. Guardians of Middle Earth. That was, yeah, I, that that's was fun. the one I never played. That's so, <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> um, but, I, okay, so what's exciting about Valorant? For me, personally, yeah. um, one big difference that I noticed when I was watching it is extremely readable. Like, it was not difficult for me to tell what was going on mm. and where. And I just loved that about watching the gameplay. Yeah. Right? It made it very easy to break down and analyze what each person was doing, all that good stuff. The walls are the only thing mm. that give me trouble at this yeah. point. I So, right, we have, from my understanding, we have a flame wall. Mm-hmm. We have a oh, poison yeah, wall. Yeah. And then we have an actual wall, though, right? The the healing character, I don't remember her name, but the healing oh, character Sage? from China, yeah, Sage yeah. from China, has an actual wall that you cannot pass through. Yeah, it's crazy. But it <laughs> looks very similar to the poison wall, mm. which you can pass through, right? But you just can't see through, right. and it damages you while you're in it. But it doesn't yeah. kill you, which I found to be very interesting. Because I saw somebody Yes, it'll bring you down to yeah. one, right? But so that's, I, I think, it's very interesting. So there's wind walls. There's all of these different walls, and I don't know how things interact with these walls yet. Mm-hmm. However, the game's pretty new, so I, I mean, yeah, it, the, I don't think that's going to be a pro. It's not like Overwatch where you're like, I have no idea what's going on right now. Right. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy to kind of figure it out. I'm not. I'm not very interested in the game, honestly. Oh, yeah. uh, but I am very interested in watching the game, and I'm very interested in seeing what it does to esports and what grows around it. Like, I don't personally think that I would sit down and play that game for more than a couple of hours. Because mm. it just doesn't seem like my cup of tea, right? It, it, for me, it looks too much like Counter-Strike. And I don't like playing Counter-Strike. Uh, it, it, to me, it's <laughs> it's a very specific game that I just... I I can appreciate and I can watch it and be like, wow, that was hype. But I just can't play it. It's just not my thing. See, that's... 
And so here's why I'm interested in Valorant. I have the exact same feeling about the game as you do, mm-hmm. right? Because I think I've been playing Counter-Strike for 15 plus years. Yeah. And this is just like, it's a lot like Counter-Strike, except that tackles all of the problems I have with Counter-Strike. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Right? Counter-Strike is just so rudimentary. Mm-hmm. It's so rudimentary. Yes, I have utility. Everyone can buy utility. Mm-hmm. But like, you don't have a character on the team whose focus is utility or support. The difference between your characters at the pro level is literally like, uh, I use an op. And then everyone else uses the exact same guns, right? It's very right. meta-based. Mm-hmm. But when we look at a game like this, a player like me, who's maybe not as mechanically gifted as, you know, like one of the kids in our, you know, some of the kids in our program, mm-hmm. but I, I can play the, the recon character. I can play the healer or the support character. I can outsmart my opponents, mm-hmm. right? Which you can't really do in Counter-Strike. You can do it a tiny, tiny bit, but it's like 5% of the game. Right. But this game gives you probably 50% of the game. So I can be as good as the player next to me if I'm a smarter, more, you know, kind of cognitively capable player. Yeah. I don't just have to be a mechanical player, which for Counter-Strike... 90% of that game is how mechanically gifted are you? How's your first shot accuracy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I see this as kind of tackling that issue, which makes it much more accessible and fun to somebody like me. Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't know. Counter-Strike is difficult for me to get into, not necessarily because of like the structure of the ecosystem in the game, right? Like the, the, the rules of the game, but more so how it feels to play, right? And so I'm just very curious about how Valorant's going to feel in my hands. Because yeah. it's just sort of like the way it looks is sort of like this smooth, flowy, sort of um, easy to control type deal. And that's the case. I'll definitely play it. For me, the only issue I have right now is that all the footage we've seen is from a controlled environment. Yep, so true. I can't. I, I don't Everyone's feel like I can. Yep. Yeah. And like it from from what I've seen, it's like oh, this person is like moving and like it's flowy and like he turns around and shoots shoots someone and like. I don't think that's not how the game is going to be. You're going to be like, you're going to be moving and you're going to die randomly. That's, that's what I don't like about it. Right. Interesting. So I would agree with you. Well, let's not, we'll, let's not continue this too much longer. Cause I don't want to make too many like kind of bold assumptions about mm. the way it's going to go. But I will say that the thing that excites me the most about the game is you can bend skills. Mm-hmm. Right. And this to me is very interesting and I'm super interested in figuring out how they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So from what I've watched, you can send walls around corners. You can send attacks around corners. You can literally utilize your skills in ways you cannot see. And there's so much interesting stuff to be brought up when I can affect areas of the map. And there are characters who have skills that can affect areas of the map that they're not in, mm-hmm. right? So I can literally set up like bombs or smoke or utility in areas of the map I'm not in and make people think I'm there. So it's very just the mind games and the – like I just – oh, yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> very exciting times. I'm, um, I'm more interested in, to, in seeing what, like, what esports orgs pick it up and like – the teams that we get for those. I don't know. Oh, like, I want to see, I want to see cloud nine and I want to see, gonna see every, I guarantee you without a doubt, you see every LCS team pick up a team. Yeah. I, I, I imagine the, that the existing infrastructure for league is going to play a big role into, yeah. into Valorant. So I'm interested. That's, that's more what interests me. Personally. So from the business side, leading with a franchise model, mm-hmm. good idea, bad idea. And why? No, I don't know. It's so hard to say. 
I think we lean the same way, though. Yeah. What do you think? Do you have an idea? I actually don't. Explain for me and our viewers what you mean. Okay, so the difference between like a game like Counter-Strike where there is no franchising model, Mm -hmm. right? Or like Dota is a better example, right? For Dota 2, I could literally pick up a team right now Mm -hmm. of my friends, and if we're good, you'll see me at the International. End of story. Mm -hmm. I just have to show up to events, work hard, and place, right? Counter-Strike, same way. If I'm good enough and I compete, there is a ladder for me to climb up that will set me up for pro. And actually, very recently, Valve has made this even more transparent with a regionalized system of how you can get to professional Counter-Strike. So for those two games, it's just very easy for friends to pick up the game, start playing together, work hard, and end up a team that can make money. Okay. But like for League of Legends, I cannot, or for Overwatch, or for Call of Duty, I cannot simply pick up a league, a, a game, a team, and start playing. I can pick up a team, become really good, and then a franchise team could buy me. Mm-hmm. But if you don't own a slot in the league, you cannot play. So the teams that are, you know, when we look at like Cloud9 and Team Liquid and Complexity and these teams, they own a part of the league. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. here's the upsides and downsides. The upside is the teams have a stake in the league. Right, similar to the NFL. The NFL is owned by the teams, right? So as the Dallas Cowboys, I own a stake in the NFL and I make money based on how well the NFL is doing. Whereas with Counter-Strike or with Dota, I only make money if I'm making money. Now ESL and the ESL Pro League has partner teams and they're trying to create these leagues in Counter-Strike that allow these organizations to make money because at current, it's incredibly difficult for an esports org to make any money because mm-hmm. the players make most of what they win. So even if you're winning, you're not making much. So you're resorting to selling your brand, but your brand isn't worth anything, right? 100 Thieves is one of the only brands that's figured out sort of how to bypass this by making incredible amounts of money in merch sales, right? So they sell merch at a ridiculous amount and they make it because their brand is valued. I see. So when we talk about the franchise model, there's an upside for organizations to be involved there. The downside is you negatively impact your player base. Mm -hmm. So going back to what we were saying about Valorant, and I have a very firm belief on this, but so what do you think? Is Is it valuable? to lead with the franchise model. Man. You do Great. already have the lead structure, so you know you have people, I guarantee you every yeah. one of those LCS teams would buy a slot. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's never been a game where day one they have a franchise league. No, I mean, Modern Warfare and Overwatch yeah. both set themselves up immediately to have a league. Mm, but but they there were amateur circuits before that. like. Apex, you know the the Korean tournaments. They, they Overwatch League didn't start until like the second year of the first year of the, the game's life. Well, now. sure, and Modern Warfare. I mean, okay. So when we look at Call of Duty, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, but with the new release, there was no professional well, gaming. I, I understand, but it's it doesn't count because yeah. it's Call of Duty. That's it fine. comes out yeah. every year. So my issue is if you don't let the scene develop before you start the league, I wonder what effect that has on the players themselves. Right? Exactly, because then you make it really, really hard for this random seventeen-year-old in I don't know in Chicago to just, just like pick up the game and like become a pro, right? Because most likely, what's going to happen is C9 or TSM. They're going to be like, "Hey, we need a team for Valorant," and they're going to pick them up from CS, exactly. and from other games. They're, they're going to look at people from Overwatch, people from CS, like people that are out of a, like free agents right now. 
they're going to pick them up and then that's going to be their team. You effectively kill the dream. Exactly. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. That is, I believe that your best bet as Valorant, as Riot, and I think they'll do this. I do. I don't think they'll jump right into a franchise. Mm-hmm. I, what I think they'll do is they'll put the game out and just let people play it. Mm-hmm. You know it's it's Riot, so they're going to make a very well-developed ranked system. Mm-hmm. Right. End of story. Like, And then they'll just let the ranked system play out. And if I'm Riot, I make your Challenger series right away. Right, yeah. we have scouting grounds and challenger series, and so if you want to open up your major esport, then what you do is a draft. Oh yeah, that'll be cool. So you do like the top five hundred players all get invited to some like combine style draft program, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like a big scouting grounds, a big live event where it's like three days, and you stream the entire thing. You make it all content worthy, where people can talk about their favorite players and who's doing well and who's not, and which players they think are going to get picked up. You could make it a really like a fantasy style thing. Mm-hmm. I would love that. That would be cool. I would be, I'd be like, this is the dopest thing I've seen. Mm-hmm. And then you let, at the end of that, you have a draft. Yeah. Where essentially, like, each team that wants to buy into the league gets to draft out players. Yeah. And you say, you have to draft from our pool. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting because it's very clear to me that this game was designed with the intention of it being, being an esports. Sure. Yeah. Which is not usually how it goes. So I want to see how, how this plays out. And usually when you design... So trying to force the eSport, they, they were saying that's kind of the Overwatch curse, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to force an eSport instead of letting the community create it. Yeah. Because the world's largest eSports, League of Legends, Dota 2, and Counter-Strike, all were community created. Mm-hmm. The game was just made. People played it and had fun. And then the community went, this is so good, we need to compete. Mm-hmm. Hardcore. And then everybody wanted to watch it. <laughs> Instead, with Overwatch, we see a game that we made, and everybody goes, oh, man, I love this game. And then Blizzard went, watch it. Mm-hmm. Right? Where people were like, well, I kind of just want to play it. Right? I would rather just play the game. Mm. Um, so I think if they had made, uh, let the community just absorb it more until it turned into something where, like, you could climb the ladder to become pro more easily, then the community may have backed it more as an eSport. These are things that I, I see as, like, a concern, trying to force the eSport. Sure. But I do agree 100%. This is made to be an eSport. Yeah. Mm. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Cool. Um, Two of us are really excited. One of us are excited to see it. (laughs) All right. Which one do we go to next? Talk about politics a little bit. Oh, my God. Sure. So Super Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Super Tuesday happened. Now, we're located in Colorado, which Mm -hmm. definitively was won by Bernie Sanders. Correct. Yeah. Uh, did uh, did Bernie w- win here in 2016 or uh, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I was at the Democratic convention, the Colorado Democratic convention, um, in 2016, when somehow, despite well, so we had a caucus, we had a caucus system oh, back gross. then, so it wasn't a primary system. Oh, um, nice. And Bernie did win, but it it was almost close. Like it, I don't, we had this big kind of like argument where somebody was trying to say that Hillary was just as supported, but literally at like the, we were at the convention Uh and it was like 90% Bernie Sanders supporters. I see. And there was still an argument and it was so mind blowing to see this. Like, it was like, you're lying in plain sight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're trying to make something happen that isn't happening. Um, And of course we kind of saw the after effects of that on the DNC national stage. Right. So, so the main reason why we're talking about this is the youth vote didn't come out. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's why it pertains to, to this podcast specifically. Yes. And that's why it's important to talk about. So Joe Biden won the majority of states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of which was Massachusetts, which is just insane. Insane that he won that state. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I think it's almost insane he won Texas. Uh, it was very close, though, yeah, right? It was close. It was close. Yeah. But so the key here is why did he win Texas? Well, when we look at who's voting for Bernie Sanders, the vast majority of people voting for Bernie Sanders are between the ages of 18 and 35. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we saw a 4 to 8% reduction in voter turnout from 2016 within these age groups. Yep. yep. So what does that tell us? Young people don't vote. Young people are not voting. This is, I mean, this has been the case, like, historically, young people don't vote. Yeah. Young vote is just difficult to rely on. And it's not just in, in the U.S. It happens mm. everywhere, too. So Young people are not interested in civics. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, I don't want to get too into the weeds about <laughs> why, but yeah. we did talk a little bit about social indoctrination on our last show mm-hmm. um, and the idea of socialization. And the truth is, especially in this country that the United States has a really intense focus away from civics on young people. It's not the United States that wants young people to be involved. Our public school systems turn you away from politics. They don't want you to necessarily be involved. It isn't until you get to college that a lot of colleges are like, hey, you should be involved in this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And generally, it's a very focused and the groups that tend to get more young people riled up tend to be right Mm -hmm. right um so it's kind of an interesting thing yeah i don't know it's 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 always hard to to see young people not voting and i get it especially with how last time like last election what happened you know um but i think at the end of the day if you don't vote and you're a young person then i don't get it you know Yes, and I think it's just important to note that the older generations, most of them are not going out going, okay, I'm going to vote for what's not good for me. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, exactly. I'm going to vote for what's good for young people. And there are people out there doing that, but they're a much smaller percentage. The average person is going to go out and go, okay, who's best for me? I mean, young people are doing it too, right? It's not not like old people, you know? But we should... so. philosophy, moral philosophy would tell us that that is the goal of all societies is to create a better society for those who come Mm. next. Yeah. Sure. But also democracy is all about voting for what suits you best. Right. So that's why young people should be voting because then your, your, your needs and your desires are not being represented by the votes. Well, and that is the, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say that's the problem with the idea of democracy. Yeah. Is democracy without morality, without philosophical backing, right? And mm-hmm. this is why I have such a huge issue with the idea of religion in politics or money in politics. Because the second that we look at money or religion within politics, we begin basing our politics off of things that have no real impact. Mm-hmm. On the future of our country. Yeah. They're much more related to my own personal beliefs about what is right or wrong instead of what is good for those coming next. Yeah. 
Um, and if we were more focused on that, then more people between the ages of 40 and 70 would be going, okay, what, what do we need to improve life for those who are currently 14, 16, yeah. right? Um, that's why young people should vote because generally what you're thinking is best for you is what's best for the future of the country. Mm -hmm. yeah. However, you also have less experience, which is why I wish that the 30 through 50 crowd was voting more along that lines of thinking like, it's up to me to make decisions for the next generation. Yeah. Right. Um, but we think about, well, it's good for me, man. <laughs> uh, the whole point of this is to say, go vote, go vote. I mean, like in, in, in this particular time period online, we're all saying, okay, boomer. Right. Yeah. And what we mean by that is you guys have set up society in a way that is bad for us, mm -hmm. but you cannot go online and say, okay, boomer. And then let them make all the decisions. Yeah. Right. Like the whole point of okay, boomer is that older people have been so dismissive of the issues surrounding young people yeah, exactly. for so long. But you can't say that and then not do anything about it. Yeah. You know? Also, yes. donations are not votes. No. I agree completely. I, I think it's far more valuable for you to go out and make your voice heard, mm -hmm. whether that's through voting or showing up, than it is to put some money on it and never show up. Yeah. yeah. Um, <coughs> all right. Go vote for whoever you want to vote for. And hopefully... Oh, never mind. I won't say anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now the big topic, and it's important for us to talk about, coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Fun times. A real, it's a thing, guys. Uh, it's a real thing. So let's start out with the dismissive part. It's probably not going to kill you. Probably. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's very important to say that Not it, it, this isn't about dismissing your fears or your concerns. But trying to rationalize, rationalize things. Uh, yes. Yeah. Just don't, don't be, be cautious. Yes. But don't over worry yourself. That's what I would say. The media loves sensationalism. Yes. Oh, they do. Because if I put up a media title that says everything's going as it should be, the world is normal. Please read my newspaper. It's not gonna You're just going to be like, okay, well, business as usual. Uh -huh. Right. But if the media says, you're all going to die if you don't read this article, all of a sudden your brain goes, do I need to read this article? Like, is this article mm -hmm. going to keep It's very effective. It is very effective. I mean, we can say this because we read the same articles. <laughs> <laughs> also, we've talked about it a little bit, but psychologically, our brain is wired towards fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fear is more salient. The word salient means it draws your attention to it, right? So it's more salient than good feelings fear mm -hmm. keeps you alive exactly right and as a species this is why we were afraid of spiders and snakes for so long because these things could kill us if we that's, weren't paying attention and we walked near a snake that's why uh die. that's why cats are so afraid of cucumbers literally they think they're, they think they're snakes so like their instinct is to jump away fun fact if whenever you see a funny video of a cat jumping to, uh at a cucumber that's not really animal abuse, but it's kind of mean. So it's kind of mean. putting it out there. <laughs> well, I, we do do this to ourselves. Yeah. I, just, I would just say that, that that's like a normal human to human brain. Cat, <laughs> you're just getting special, like normalized treatment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but so fear is salient. And, you know, we going back to politics, like this is the very red belief system, right? Like mm -hmm. the Republican belief system is scare everybody and they're paying attention to us, right? Yep. Um, 
now more and more as time goes on, the blue side begins leaning more and more towards using fear as a model as well. Um, so media in general is just using fear. Yes. Um, should we be afraid of the coronavirus? Yeah. Should we be scared of it to the point where it makes us like, like worried to go outside? Yeah. No. no, probably not. Unless there's like an act of quarantine in your city. I, exactly. I think, I think we're blessed. Well, not, not everyone is. Never mind. I was going to say that society has advanced to the point where a lot of jobs can be done from home, but that's not true that's, for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. I think that said, though, coronavirus at the end of the day is just like any other sickness where if you take care of yourself and you follow the steps that you should be following, even even when there's no coronavirus, you should be fine, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go Discord. Yeah. Uh, every, every single time. Every <laughs> single time. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, basically just wash your hands. Don't touch your face in public, you know. Mm, Save that yeah. for when you're at home. Uh, wash your hands. Use a uh, uh, hand sanitizer. And that's it. Yeah, there's there's really, like, there's two basic rules. One, practice good hygiene. Mm -hmm. yeah. Two, don't compromise your immune system. Yeah. That's, that's really it. I think that's the biggest thing, too, and that's something that we should probably mention a lot. Yeah, so, you know, eat healthy. Mm -hmm. keep fruit in your diet if yep. you have it you can take some echinacea right vitamin c things that keep your immune system strong get eight hours of sleep a night don't drink don't drink too much right you can still mm -hmm. drink but th more than three drinks a day will compromise your immune system mm -hmm. um especially if you drink a lot and stay up late and wake up early yep. right so if you oh, go yeah. out partying on a friday or a saturday night and you're powering through alcohol and you crash out at 5 a.m. and you wake up at 10, your body is compromised. Your immune system is now compromised. Mm -hmm. You're more likely to get sick mm -hmm. and the, the, the severity of that sickness will climb. It's worse, yeah. So don't compromise your immune system by getting a good amount of sleep, by eating healthy. Wash your hands every time you go to the bathroom. Wash your hands before you eat. Right. Mm -hmm. Try not to stick your hands in your mouth or, or be touching your face too much, which as a nail biter is an incredibly difficult <laughs> thing for me to do. Um, and you should be all right. The other important thing is you're probably not going to die. Like when I say probably, if you're between the ages of 12 and 48, mm -hmm. the likeliness of you dying by, uh, by coronavirus is like, Point zero 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 one percent. It's very low. Yes, it's extremely low. If you're above the age of fifty-five, or below the age of seven, mm -hmm. now you're much more likely to have severe problems if you get sick. And guess what, folks? That's the same with the flu. That's yeah. yeah. It's the same with any worldwide disease. The mm -hmm. only difference here, and we'll talk about this, is the incubation period. Yeah, and lack of a That's vaccine. Makes it so hard. Well, yeah. yeah. Lack of vaccine, lack of real, real treatment. Mm -hmm. Do we know the cause of death? Is it is, So the flu generally is dehydration. You, you die because you lose all your fluids and you mm -hmm. can't keep it up. Mm -hmm. I don't know 100%. Yeah, I think I it's know. damage to the lungs. Yeah, that's, that's the big thing. That's what I've heard. Is it so fluid overload or? Uh, no, idea. no idea. Let me look this up. Coronavirus cause of death. Uh Oh, do, 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 do. It tells me death, but it's not actually saying why. Death? What? Yeah, I think. <laughs> the cost of death <laughs> is death. 
There's not a lot of information put out exactly about how each person. Well, uh, also, and I think that brings us to an important point that we don't know enough about the disease yet to be alarmed, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we don't know the the real statistics, uh, and and this goes both ways. We we don't know the real amount of people affected. We don't know yeah. the real amount of people infected. We don't know the real amount of people that died from it or died from other stuff during this time. So, it's too early to be alarmed. I so think. So, according to the BBC. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. The the primary, the issue here, the main causes of death are always, so like 15% of deaths are over the age of 80, right? An additional 10% are 70 to 79. Um, about another 5% is 60 to 69. So we're looking at like the majority of deaths are happening in those ages. And most of them have to do with uh, other diseases, cardiovascular issues, yeah. diabetes. Respiratory disease and hypertension. Having underlying diseases does not help, or underlying conditions, I mean. Um, And, you know, it's talking about how it's so hard to really compare them because to compare this with, like, the flu, because as is with the flu, the vast majority of cases go unreported. Yeah. That's how limited, like, this virus is so really non-consequential in the average person that they just think, oh, I'm sick, and they stay at home. And that's it. All three of us might have had it. <laughs> yeah. we <laughs> Like straight up. Like you may have had the coronavirus and you've already gotten over it and you just have no idea because you didn't visit a doctor. Yep. Um, and that is also one of the problems. That's the danger of yeah. a disease like this is that you're going to get sick. You don't notice it. You go a bunch of places. You spread it to a bunch of other people. Yeah. And the elderly that you come in contact with mm-hmm. get sick and have problems. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think the main thing is like if you get sick, just... Try not to stay home. Yeah, just stay home, which is really hard for some people. I get it. Yeah, we don't have paid sick leave and all that stuff. Yeah, try not to get other people sick. Um, Why are we bringing this up? Why? Why is a gaming and esports podcast bringing this up? Well, let's start by talking about Katowice, right? Mm -hmm. So Intel Extreme Masters Katowice happened. We have this big Counter Strike tournament, sells out pretty much every year. Go look up some pictures. Empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A giant stadium empty. Now, mm-hmm. on the upside, there was over a million viewers uh, online. So the largest non-major Counter-Strike tournament in history um, for viewership online. Mm. But yeah. what is normally a huge event that brings in an insane amount of money had nobody there. Mm-hmm. And they're giving refunds. Yep. The expo lost a ton of money. I mean, we're, the amount of money that this is costing the industry, let's just rattle off what we know yep. of. So Overwatch homestands in China yep. in and Korea. now Korea yep. are no longer running. Nope. Right? Um, uh, the the ones well, – it's, it's funny. They, I think the Overwatch League is actually cursed this season because uh, – they moved all of those homestands to, to LA. Oh, no, 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 they moved them to Korea, and oh, then that happened. No. Now they moved them to LA, oh, and now no. LA is in a state of emergency. <laughs> so, Overwatch is one of the casualties of the Maybe coronavirus. Maybe Overwatch is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Overwatch is spreading the coronavirus around the world. So that's that's another one. I wouldn't be surprised if Smash events start to get canceled pretty yeah. soon. We are worried about that, mm-hmm. and we are also worried about what might happen to ESL and yep. to the major that's coming here. Yep. Um, GDC. GDC. GDC, yep. right? Taipei Game Show Taipei got Game moved. Show. Um, 
we have the LCK and I believe the LCL, I'm not sure. So the Chinese league team, the, the mm -hmm. Korean league, League of Legends games have been canceled. Yeah, leaks yeah. smacked. The Valorant, uh, uh, Valorant content creators, content yeah. creators release beta yeah. uh, day has been yeah it was canceled. I mean it. If you begin looking at all of these things, yeah. right? They're just it's. This is taking a massive toll on the industry. Mm -hmm. We yep. are losing money left and right. Events are being canceled. Um, there's no other way around it. This is an esports centric like this is affecting us yeah we're so. not we're not the only industry it's it's affecting but it's, oh, like sure, it's yeah. definitely affecting us yeah uh one of the the silver linings that i see here and this is something i brought up to daniel in, in another conversation we had is that um i don't know if, have you ever did you ever watch total biscuit do you know who that is no okay so he he was this really big youtuber that unfortunately passed away a couple years ago um and he was mentioning that the only reason that he got a start on YouTube and he and another content creator he worked with called Jesse Cox, they attributed their success to the it 2008 recession. Yeah. The 2008 recession, having a lot of people stay at home and have nothing to do with their time, right? So they go online, they look for YouTubers, they look for content creators, they look for something to do in their spare time. And that's how these people got a start. And they became titans in the in the content creation industry. So very interesting. One of the things that one of the few positives that I see here is that if if we do get to a point where schools close down or like people get have to work from home, then I do I do see the industry growing in the sense that more people are going to be playing games, more people are going to be looking at content. Uh, you know, viewership for for events that are being held without an audience grow. Mm -hmm. You know. Like uh, like the CS:GO event did. So that's the only silver lining I can think of right now. Yes, that brings up an interesting thought about like the value of online open tournaments and leagues. Yeah, yeah. and what brings people to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we have registered for Overwatch Open League. Yep, and I believe that there's like 380 teams. There's a bunch. Yeah, that's absurd. That's a giant. Like the only league I know of that was that size was like Heroes of the Dorm, right? Where right. like every college across the United States pretty much put a team up mm -hmm. for Heroes of the Dorm every year. It's crazy. Um, but that's nuts. And we got games every weekend, twice a weekend, right? But we're it's a completely online platform. No one's got to travel anywhere. Everything happens online. I don't even know if the playoffs are in person. I think that everything is no, online. No, I think it's all online, yeah. So very the the opportunities within esports are are kind of endless it's really it's very interesting because this is affecting all of these public gatherings but in reality like our lives don't like our industry does not take place in public no yeah we just barely we just choose it to take place in public which i think is valuable yeah. incredibly important and valuable um especially because live events are awesome um and no, another interesting uh, effect that this is having it's possible that E3 might also be po postponed yeah, or something we'll severe happens to E3, which brings an interesting point that Most if people don't even go to E3 anymore, go ahead. Sorry. Well, it, it, yeah, a lot of people I mean, do. Like publishers, but yeah. So, so I think what's going to be interesting is that if E3 doesn't happen, how do we announce things? No, well, that, yes and no, but like if E3 doesn't happen and then 
let's say uh, Microsoft, because Sony already pulled out, mm -hmm. but m Microsoft realizes, hey, we don't need this event to to announce our stuff, and we don't need to lose so much money because they lose lose a lot of money on E3 every single year. I wonder if this is the turn where everyone goes to Nintendo Direct route. Yeah. Because you know yeah. Nintendo doesn't need E3 at the end of the day. Like. Yeah, they realized they a long time ago. They realized a long time ago. So they just put out their, their Direct, right? So I wonder if more companies are going to start doing that as a result of like, do you really need, like, I think that's a thing of the past. Do you yeah. really need the crowd of people there to well, announce your stuff? BlizzCon makes an absurd amount of money. Yeah. I mean, they sell... All of these. Like, they sell yeah. all yeah. of the tickets. Yeah. And it's an event. And people go to BlizzCon to, like, get hammered. They treat it like a regular convention. Yeah. Right? People go there and they get hammered. They they party. They have a blast. Why I mean, does BlizzCon work so well? I think E3 every, historically doesn't. I think BlizzCon works because it's one publisher. Boys, uh, dude. So I think for E3, the people that make the money, it's not the publishers. It's ESA. That's a good point. So then the publishers sink all this money into, like, announcing their stuff, but they don't really get anything back. Yeah. Blizzard is runs blizzcon and you have so many blizzard fanboys right mm -hmm. and i mean they may be dying out as a breed but like blizzard fanboys have been blizzard fanboys like i mean i was a blizzard fanboy for years yeah also it's extremely expensive like yeah, it's, it's a lot ridiculously ex it's like 400 dollars a ticket yeah I, I don't know if it's quite that expensive but it's oh, it is okay so yeah okay yes yeah. i went two years ago okay. okay i mean it's yeah it's expensive and then you spend money while you're there yeah. Right? And then, it's, I mean, like... It's in Anaheim, so it's, everything's crazy expensive. Crazy. I'm, I'm never going again. Just <laughs> just putting that out there. It's one of the worst experiences I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, I my I had a bunch of friends go out, and they were just like, the amount of time I had to wait yep. to do anything. I I got hurt, like, the day before BlizzCon, so I was walking with a, with a walking stick, and thankfully, an employee there was super nice and gave me an ADA pass, and that's the only reason why I had any fun at all. Like, oh I can't imagine gosh. myself having a good time there without the ADA pass. Note to self. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Treat it like a theme park. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, that is, uh, that's the way I see it. Like, they make a lot of money on their own by running their own thing. So I can't see a reason why Microsoft and Sony don't do the same thing. No, I think Sony is doing that. Sony right? has state of play. Yeah. yeah, state of play. Yeah, and, and they're, but they're leaning more into it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, so, uh, uh, Nintendo Direct. Yeah, Nintendo. I mean, people are like, they're like craving it so hard. Know, it's like dude. an addiction. Like, nin people love Nintendo Direct. I know, it's crazy, man. And I I, I'm surprised it. other publishers haven't picked that up. I don't know. Nintendo's like 10 years in the future always, so. It was Which for is something. hilarious. For something. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's just, anyway, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, it's weird. Nintendo is Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo is a hundred-year-old company, and sometimes they do things that are amazing, and sometimes they release a game with the worst online I've ever seen for a fighting game. Yeah. So. Or they release like this really hype game from this really long-standing series called Mario Party, and they'll only put in like four maps, and you're like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. You have... All right, Nintendo. Take it from us. You could do th you could do some things better. <laughs> the the thing that blows me away about that is no one's ready to throw money at people like Nintendo fanboys. True. Like no oh, yeah. one like people. I've seen it. I've watched you guys all do it. Like everybody I know who's a Nintendo person is like, take my money. Yeah. 
take it. Yeah. And they're like, listen, and, and they almost every person says the exact same thing. Like every Nintendo person feels the exact same <laughs> way. If you do this, I will hand you a brick of cash. Yeah. And Nintendo's <laughs> like, nah. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> it, it's weird. They also have so much money, it's absurd. Like, I know. Yeah. But that's like, I don't They're understand. In the black for like 100 more years or something. Yeah. Is, is, that, make another game. is that the reason though? Is like... Is the reason they're successful because they're like, no, screw you guys. We don't listen to you. Other companies listen to their fan bases and they fail. I mean, maybe. We listen to um, us and we succeed. It's it's so weird. It, it is. Because I, I think that's kind of it. Like, honestly, they're just like, you know what? They're, they're madmen. I think that's why they're so successful. They're like, you know what? We're going to put out a mobile device with two screens. And it was like, Why? Because we want to. You know, there's literally no reason that the, the DS should have existed. But they're like, yeah, here it is. Take it. And it, that that thing printed money. It did. The DS and the Wii just printed money. That's, it's absurd. Like, who 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 wanted motion controls like the, the Wii? The right? was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I felt the same way. Yeah. Like, like, I tell people all the time, man, a controller has like 30-something inputs. Mm-hmm. And the Wii is like, no, 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 no. A TV remote. Yeah. Everyone has one. <laughs> Old people have one. Yep. Young people know how to use them. Yeah. There you go. I, I love Nintendo. They're such an eccentric company. Like, Well, I just, you know, when we look at that, you're talking about like Smash and the online thing. Dude. They're like, okay, look, okay, okay. We're going to make an online opportunity. We want you guys to be able to play online. But we're going to make it suck. And here's why. <laughs> because you should be playing together. Yeah, pretty much. You should be playing or, on the couch with your friends. But... Not in a competitive setting. See, you shouldn't you shouldn't be playing in a competitive <laughs> setting. You should be playing for fun. And there well, shouldn't be anything on the line. Items should be involved. You should be playing the game the way we want you to play it. And we'll support that. And anything outside of that, you could go screw yourself. Do, do you know the story of Brawl? Brawl. I mean, oh, I, boy. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. Melee came out, becomes a huge success with the, the underground scene. And, like, people are, like, picking it up and, like, making it, like going to its limits and like discovering all this new tech that like Sakurai put it there himself mm-hmm. like straight up like, there's no other way it would have happened um, and then Brawl comes out with the with specific mechanics to mess that up yes. so like oh tripping tr- do you know do you know what tripping is oh in Brawl God. sometimes randomly when you're dashing you just trip like your character just falls down and you can't do anything about it and it has like so much end lag that you just get punished for it and that was literally Nintendo being like, melee is not going to be a thing. It, your competitive game will not exist. We we want it dead. And up. so what people did was just go, okay, we're not playing that yeah, game. So yeah, so people were just much. like, yeah, so we're yeah, just going to keep playing melee. That's why melee is it's, alive, yeah. straight up. I mean, yeah, it's partially because melee was a very well-designed game, but partially because, you know, melee players have some spite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like okay, yeah. we just won't play any new Smash game. Yep. That's what yeah. we'll do. That's... Every now and then, Nintendo will just, like, give the middle finger to its fans, like, Star Fox Zero. For, like, 10 years, people are like, please give us a new Star Fox. Please give us a new Star yeah, Fox. Yeah. And Nintendo's like, you know what? Here it is. It's a remake of the old game, and it sucks. Enjoy it. And, and like, it doesn't sell well. So, like, now Nintendo's like, yeah, that, that franchise doesn't sell anymore. So Pretty much. This is, like, F-Zero? Yeah. That's, yeah. I've, I've been asking that question well, they, forever. Y- y- Miyamoto literally said, why would you want this game? What can we do differently than we've done before? Yeah. Right. So regardless of what you want, Miyamoto's like, it will be the same. So. No. Well, and, and also they're like, oh yeah, Mario Kart now has 200 CC, so play that instead. 
it's not the same. <laughs> I agree. I very much agree with uh, you, but that's pretty much their argument. It's like, oh, here, take this. Here's my argument. Here's, here's my belief. All right, Cyberpunk. Come out with an, a multiplayer F-Zero that people can play within the game, right? Sort of like a Gwent-style card game, but instead oh you can race each other oh. in like an F-Zero-style futuristic racer. That's your multiplayer aspect. So you play the single-player game, you can build yourself up, and then you can play multiplayer with other people in this F-Zero racing game. Get on it. They're probably not going to do that. That's probably not going to happen. They're already, uh, making a, they're already making a multiplayer mode. So. Oh, they are? Yes. Okay, It'd probably be combat-related, I'm sure. Probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't blame them, right? That's what I mean. I'm still waiting for the new Road Rash, right? Where's my, I don't even where's know my what that Road is. Rash 2020? <laughs> Road Rash is a motorcycle racing game oh. where you can like beat people up. Where's my Excite Bike? That's oh a real God. question. I don't know what Excite Bike is. It's like what? the like yeah. SNES, bowl, no like NES. You, you probably know it, yeah. Is that like the side, the platform side scroller, biking game? It is. Yeah. It's, it's like literally pixels. Yeah. And you like, going like sideways, you jump, and you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I probably yeah. know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so uh, Road Rash was like originally released on the Sega, right? And it's mm -hmm. a, a a straightforward sort of thing, like um, uh, oh god, what are the, you're you're just racing like yeah. a normal racer, but like while you're right, you're on a motorcycle. And you can move back and forth along the lines and speed up and, and do these things. But you can also punch people. Mm. And, like, you have weapons, right? Like, there's a chain and there's a bat and there's all these Fun. different weapons. And so you can knock people off their motorcycles. Oh, I see. Um, and that's how it was. And then... You know, it, it went to Sony and it was out on PlayStation. I mean, it was actually a really fun and awesome game. And we've gotten to the point where motorcycle games are so advanced that I could yeah. see a really good racing game out of this. That would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But hmm. I don't know. Racing games are weird. They are weird. Yeah. There's a mobile racing it's, game it's that's super popular. Mario Kart Go. <laughs> Okay. No, there's like the the weird mobile racing game where you can like jump and flip and do all of these things, and it's like no idea. Insanely, my mobile gaming knowledge is actually tragically low. So, yes, so is mine, <laughs> because mobile gaming is not gaming. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, I don't. I do have a phone. I don't want to <laughs> play your Diablo on my phone, right? Oh man, Symphony of Night just came out on phone. I don't know what that I, is. Castlevania. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know either. Can't get it on the Switch, but we can have it on our phones. So yeah, that's cool. the kids. A lot of the kids play Brawl Stars. Mm. Right? Oh, interesting. They, I mean, they seem to really enjoy it. And by looking at Drake playing it, I was like, all right, I could see why this would be pretty cool. I'm not anti-mobile gaming. Mm. It's just that I realize, like, I don't like the idea of you making me a Fortnite or, like, a Call of Duty. Like, making a first-person shooter on a phone. Oh. Like, it's just a, to me, that's just completely, like... I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. It I, doesn't sit right. I don't know. One of the big strategies for making a successful mobile game is to take an already established genre and just transfer it to mobile somehow, right? Yeah. Rather than making something completely unique to the platform. True. And so for people that already play those games, it's going to be this huge disconnect because, like, why would I ever want to do this on a phone? But for people that, you know, don't typically play them a lot, but they are mobile gamers, they would probably try them out and be like, this is really cool. Well, that's... I think the game plan with Wild Rift, right? So, so Riot has announced that they're making a mobile mm -hmm. version of League of Legends. It is not the same game. Nope. It is very similar, mm -hmm. but it is its own game called Wild Rift, and they'll be reducing the character pool mm -hmm. massively. I think they're coming out with 16 characters to start, which is pretty similar to their to our original release. But it will be a mobile League of Legends game. I, I personally think that is the game to watch mm -hmm. if you want to understand how the mobile universe works. Yeah. yeah. Because if we watch this game and it blows up, 
we'll see whether or not this brings players to League of Legends or from League of Legends. Yeah. Are people who are playing League now going to move to a mobile game they can play regularly? They're also planning on releasing it on console, which I find to be very super interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's super interesting. Huh. Well, we'll see where that goes. I think Riot sees that League has a half-life. Yeah, it's probably yeah. hit its, its cap. It's, it's going, getting there. It's, it's not going to hold out too much longer. Well, I mean, it depends on what we consider games. too much longer. The next couple of years, they're probably good, but they're probably looking five ten or ten years, years yeah. in the future. I would say ten years from now, it's going to be iffy. Dude, I'm just I'm waiting for it, man. I'm telling you, the VR MOBA experience. <laughs> the VR first-person <laughs> shooter MOBA experience. That is, that's where... Esports educators signing off. <laughs> Live my life in my room now. Um, yeah, this was a you know long digression. We didn't really have too much more to say about coronavirus. Yeah, just that it was affecting the esports industry. That it's affecting physical spaces. You should wash your hands. Don't be overly scared of this thing. Oh, and expect games to be delayed too. True. Yeah, expect. Just it's it's affecting th the economy. Yep. Heavily. Yep. Um, Young people go out and vote. Uh, we're excited about Valorant, Smash World Tour. That's pretty much it for today. Uh, keep an eye out. Rough mm -hmm. Riders Esports. We're keep an eye out on Twitter for uh, some videos coming soon. Mm -hmm. No spoilers. Yep, got some stuff. Videos, new players, good stuff involved. Mm -hmm. We'll tell you how uh, Overwatch Open goes. We play our first games this weekend. We'll see oh. how that goes. Am I playing in that? I have no idea who's playing in it. We'll see. Okay. We'll make a decision. <laughs> well, I can't make it on Saturday, just so you know. Well, that's fine. Okay. I, I, we'll, we'll decide how that's going to go. This is where the determining question comes in. Do we have our coaches play? <laughs> or do we let the kids play the game and then coach? Uh, the upside of coaching is, especially for Overwatch, it's really hard to coach while you're playing. Yes. It's too fast-paced. It's, it's, it's very hard. Especially as the main tank and the yeah. shot caller. Yeah. Right? So you're like doing all of this. I don't have any time to pay attention to any of you. No. I'm already being Do we have six kids signed up? We have six, yes. Okay, okay. So we have enough to play it, right? Yeah. But obviously we're going to do better in the tournament if we're playing the game. Yeah. Ideal situation is one of us is playing and one of us is coaching. And we switch off. Yeah, right? yeah. Right? Um, but we also want to let the kids play. So we have to ask, like, what's important, being nice or winning games? <laughs> um, that being said, find out next time on the Laggy Podcast. Um, yeah, I think that's it for us today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's Rafe, Caesar, and Daniel for the Life Around Gaming and Esports Podcast, Episode 9 in the bank. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See you later. See you later. See you.